What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Scholar. I'm joined by my co-host, Shelton's very own, Tyler Pacholke. We appreciate you all so much for listening to us. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on all of our newest episodes. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. That really helps out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow us as well at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, Tyler and I will recap the NBA Finals as well as talk about a few other NBA headlines as the offseason is already starting to heat up. All this and more on episode 250 of the Sports Kingdom Show coming up right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 250 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Joining me as always, Shelton's very own Tyler Pachelki. What's up, TP? How are you, man? 250 big number big time big time <laughs> it it, so, it sounds crazy we sounds were crazy out loud we were talking about the concept of uh of time and we were trying to put that in perspective and we were like no we can't really equate episodes into years because we were like oh we're at like the two and a half centuries or... two and a half century mark and is, th- is a nah, thousand episodes a millennium in podcast well, time there's a uh... There's got to be a term somewhere out there. I'm going to make one up. And it just comes in like the the uh, the dog days of summer. Yes. Honestly, though, it, we there's a lot to talk about still. I, I mean, can't believe now I'm waiting forward, uh, looking forward to football season. Well, don't forget about the NBA draft on Thursday night. No, that's going to be that's going to be good. Yeah. So there's there's that. We got the Stanley Cup final going on right now. Uh, we actually got the the game on in the studio. It's in the uh, second intermission. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning are up six to two right now, so it's been quite the game. We uh, Tyler, we both I guess turned it on. We were talking before we started recording. We both turned it on at the same exact point because it, the score was three to one uh, when we turned it on. The, the Lightning were winning, and now it's uh, six to two Lightning. Uh, so they, they've really stepped it up in the in the second period. So they'll they'll probably be able to close it out and tie this tie this series up yeah, or take a two one advantage. Excuse app- me. Apparently the wait uh, Colorado's up. I think it's one one. No, it's two zero. Oh, then Colorado's up two zero. Then yeah, yep. Tampa Bay is about to win this game. Yes. Yeah, and and I was gonna say apparently like two zero isn't shit in hockey. I, I heard. Um, uh, Saban, I think is his last name. He was on. Oh, PK Subin. Yeah. Yeah. And he was uh, talking. There's been four teams come back from three O deficits in in NHL uh, Stanley Cup Finals, and then uh, like nine have come back from three one. Damn, that's pretty crazy. So it just seemed, you know, more of a momentum sport. Oh, definitely, definitely much more of a momentum sport, and I feel like home ice advantage is very huge for for teams 
So once a team goes on the road for the first time in a series, I feel like it kind of plays into the home team's hands now. And I mean, we're clearly seeing that in this and, uh, third game here. And a series doesn't start till the home team loses. Exactly. That too. There's always an advantage. So, all right. We, there's always a, 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 an opportunity. And listen, that's hockey talk here on uh, the TSK show. Uh, shout out to the Pat McAfee show uh, for, uh, that's hockey talk. Hockey's getting it's getting more popular. It is. It I mean, listen, there's no reason it shouldn't be popular. No, it's a it's a fun game. It's uh, a fast-paced game. There's a lot of action. Yep. Yep. I do it's, you know, it's I think that they don't market their players very well. Not of, at all. A lot of American kids don't know cuz there's not a ton of Americans. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know what percentage of the NHL is American. I think but, it's a heavily internationally dominated sport. Yeah, yeah. Like, when I think of stars, I don't think of Americans. I think of, you well, know, Canadian. Crosby's Canadian. Yeah. Can I, I mean, Canada being, like, the hockey country and being our neighbor is, is, is pretty And then, of course, Russia, I think. Of, yeah, a lot of Eastern Europe. Um, But not, the, not, not hockey, but talking about getting popular. Uh, soccer, I think, made a big, made a big move getting that deal with apple that's apple, huge for mls uh, that's gonna get a lot of eyeballs on it and uh it's and it's an exclusive deal ultimately gonna make the uh, well ultimately gonna make the sport you know seen by more kids and uh there's no blackout dates no restrictions yeah. every every game on apple plus every single mls game on yeah apple plus. no it's, i think it's a definitely a deal that can shape how future tv deals are done for bigger sports leagues because mls yes it's a a a professional sports league here in america but it's it's not one of the premier as soccer leagues are in other yeah. countries and, and hockey hockey and soccer both are extremely popular sports all over the world so it's only going to take time and, and just getting it in front of uh you know americans to where it will be more more and more popular yeah and i mean i just saw uh a stat on twitter earlier today that Game six of the World Series, the the game that the Braves clinched the World Series this past season, it had 14 million viewers. And then this game six of the NBA Finals between Boston and Golden State had 13.9. So it's like, I mean, baseball technically outdrew the NBA Finals. Yeah, in TV TV ratings. Yeah, or in in viewership at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, it's always tough. Tough to to pull a, a realistic number just because I think you know NBA is popular with the younger crowd. Younger crowd maybe you know streaming illegally more often than yeah you know, other sports. But yeah, and I think NBA is a lot more highlights based of a, a sport than MLB. And MLB does a lot more of policing people stealing their their highlights and and clipping them for their own use yeah, on yeah. social media. And at the end of the day, it's still it's still a World Series game. So if people are watching baseball, it's going to be the World Series. Yeah, without a doubt. But I just I think it's it's an interesting point in sports marketing history and and talking about soccer and hockey and baseball and basketball and and obviously the NFL is king in America and how the NFL markets their players. UFC and fighting has had a bump, a big bump in our lifetime. And I mean, we haven't even touched on the golf stuff with the live tournament and versus the PGA and what's going on with all of that. Yeah, I think that I think that what the world realized is there's not a like there isn't we haven't hit the the cap 
of what people want sports wise. You you cannot give us enough sports content. Oh, people are always going to want. There more. is a market to support more and more and more when it comes to sports leagues and teams and players and all that kind of stuff. Think about this, Tyler. This time two years ago, we were in the height of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Everything was shut down. Yeah. We had zero sports going on. And I think people realized how much of content and media was dominated by sports. I mean, I know so many people that like sports media is a big part of their day every single day. Whether it's the ESPN app, the fantasy app, DraftKings, social media, social media, yeah, and what how you interact on social media, you know, because like, I mean, the large majority of my social media interactions are sport based. Same, um, yeah, yeah, and, and you even more so. So uh, <laughs> no, but it's uh, it's pretty, it is pretty crazy because you know, you I didn't necessarily see that coming. I thought there was just you know there was enough there's just enough sports to go around for like the big three. It's going to be tough for other uh, sports to kind of crack it. And now it's the gates are open. Tyler, during the pandemic, when Korean baseball started, they had people like myself waking, like staying yeah, up past yeah. midnight nah. to watch the first Korean baseball game and, and the first sports game to ever happen in the world well, since the pandemic shut down. It's like, and I think, you know, what, Things like, you know, fighting, especially with, you know, say like the celebrity fights and video games is people just want to see people compete. We'll watch people play poker. We'll watch, yeah. we'll watch curling. We'll watch, you know, corn, we'll watch cornhole. Think about American Ninja Warrior type stuff. Yeah. People just want to watch competition. It, it's, it's, uh, it's mesmerizing. It really is. So, all right. That was quite the the tangent to start off i don't know how we well, got we started on, that. on hockey so yeah and uh this third period is well underway um but i, I think tampa bay is going to be able to hold on but all right tyler we got we got a lot to talk about uh from the nba world to to wrap up the season so let's get on to it come on you're getting paid ask something final seconds Brian for the win did i miss anything while i was gone season Tyler went by both very quickly and very slowly uh, I can't believe we are already done with the NBA finals but it also feels like this season has been an eternity because of how poorly the Lakers played and how many more years many more years how how many more years it added on to my life <laughs> yeah well especially with the Celtics making the NBA finals on top of it the NBA is a long season it's a long season, and it's and it's just constantly going. I mean, headlines and headlines. So you know, it feels like it moves quick when you're in it, but really, it's a it's a eight month stretch. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen uh, to kind of continue on that tangent we were talking about to start the show. The NBA has done a very good job at being able to extend the the NBA calendar and how long the NBA stays in the headlines. Kind of like how the NFL has turned it into a twelve month 
news cycle to where it is constantly in the news. And I mean, we'll, we'll kind of get into that a little bit after we talk about the NBA finals uh, with, with some headlines that have come out over the past couple of days. And, and since we've last recorded that deal with what's to come for this off season. And, and like we said, at the top of the show, the draft is already this Thursday and then July 1st free agency starts and that's 10 days away. Yep. So, um, all right, Tyler, the NBA finals, let's, let's wrap that up and, and put a bow on the NBA season. Uh, the last time we recorded was right before game four. So the golden state warriors, they end up beating the Boston Celtics in six games, four to two in the NBA finals. Stephen Curry won his first NBA finals MVP, um, game four, the, the game right after we recorded, uh, we recorded what last when no two Wednesdays ago. Um, and then that next day was, um, game four and that game yep. was, I think the quintessential Stephen Curry NBA finals performance. He had uh, 43 points on 14 of 26 shooting seven of 14 from three, 10 rebounds and four assists in a one Oh seven 97 victory for the golden state warriors. Uh, it's one of the best NBA finals performances I've ever seen. Um, and when they went down to one, the warriors, uh, and they lost game three the way that they did. Uh, I remember saying on the show the last time we recorded that the Warriors needed to be the first team to win two games in a row in this series or else they were going to give Boston plenty of confidence that they could win this series. And they did just that in front of a electric crowd at Chase Center in San Francisco. Game five, they win 104-94. And that game's forever going to be known as the Andrew Wiggins game. I mean, people were joking on Twitter that, I mean, Andrew Wiggins was coming for Stephen Curry's finals MVP. <laughs> no, Wiggins played extremely well that whole ride. Oh, yeah. He was he yeah, was no, he very did. instrumental and, in, and in the, the run this year. Especially on the glass. Yeah. I mean, in game five, Wiggins had 26 points, 13 rebounds on 12 of 23 shooting. He did go 0 for 6 from 3, but that night was a cold night for the Warriors from 3 overall. Steph Curry, crazy enough, after the 43-point performance, he follows it up with a 0-for-9 performance from three. The team as a whole went 9-for-40 from three in game five, but thanks to Andrew Wiggins' uh, effort on the glass and, I mean, some timely scoring as well, uh, they were able to uh, get the win. Andrew Wiggins really picked up a lot of the slack uh, left behind by Draymond Green, I think, in this series. No, he did exactly what you were hoping, hoping for. Yeah. I mean, when you got him. And he won them a game. Oh, definitely. And that's, I think, yeah. when we previewed the finals, I think that yeah. was no, one of the X factors you mentioned was he can win you a game, will he, though? Yeah, yeah. And and he definitely did. He played he played extremely well. Yeah. It, it was it was good to see him kind of, it was almost a coming-of-age part for, for him. Yeah. Now, kind of rewinding uh, back to game four a little bit, just because I wanted to talk about Draymond Green. Uh, Draymond was benched for part of the fourth quarter in game four. Uh, he played a bit better in game five, but uh, like we were just talking about, Andrew Wiggins kind of picked up that slack left behind uh, by Draymond. And then game six, when they needed him most, I mean, really everything was going right for the Golden State Warriors in, in game six after the 14-2 the to two start by the, the Boston Celtics. But 
Draymond Green had 12 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists, two steals, two blocks. And that's the Draymond Green that they needed. And it happened to come when they needed it most. And uh, they were able to close it out on the road uh, and win the championship in Boston. Uh, Steph Curry followed up his poor performance in game five with 34 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, two steals and a block on 12 of 21 shooting and six of 11 from three. So he went uh, seven of 14, then 0 of nine, and then six of 11 uh, in the final three games of the series. So quite the range for yeah. for Steph Curry there. The 0 for 9 was crazy. Well, And the 0 for 9, I believe, it's it snapped. I uh, think it was yeah, like 132 yeah. or 123, something like that. Huge stretch. Uh, yeah, playoff games of making at least one three in a game. Um, Wiggins had 18 points of his own. Clay had an abysmal shooting night, 5 of 20, only 12 points. But his defense was phenomenal, and he didn't really let his poor shooting affect his psyche and and mentality on the defensive end. And really, I mean, Clay Thompson and, and Andrew Wiggins did an incredible job on defense against those perimeter Boston players, really shutting down Jason Tatum especially. Um, Jalen Brown and Al Horford in game six for Boston were really the only two guys that had much of an impact. Jalen Brown had 34 points. Al Horford had 19 of his own and, and shot four, four or five from three. Um, so, I mean, you, you're not really expecting Al Horford always always shoot that well from three, yeah, but yeah. he was, I think, hell-bent on on not letting Boston give up. And and like I said, they got off to a 14-2 to start, and then Golden State went on like a 52-25 to run, which included a 21 to nothing run at one point. That's, a, that's just it's, – that's, that's not a run. That's just <laughs> – dominant basketball yeah but i mean 21 to nothing at one point that's yeah. the largest run uh where a team was held scoreless uh in modern nba finals history so we saw in in this matchup of the nba finals uh, a matchup of the two top defensive teams in the nba this year and i really don't think golden state's defense got a lot of credit that it should have this uh this nba finals in all four of Boston's losses, they held Boston to under 100 points. 88, 97, 94, and 90 were... Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty incredible. Especially in today's NBA. Yeah. When... Well, and, and you know, the if Golden State was kind of, uh, you know, the, the death squad is what originally got them there. And you, you can't have squads like that. You can't have lineups like that unless you can guard. Well, and we talked about the lineups and the matchups a lot this series. And after game three in the, yeah, after game three, the the Warriors made a, uh, a lineup change and inserted Otto Porter Jr. into the starting lineup instead yep. of Kevon Looney. Yeah. I, th I think it was the right move. It just forced Boston's hand. Um, they needed to to spread out, and, and Horford and Robert Williams were put on the perimeter quite often. Well, Otto Porter barely played. You know, he he really was only playing like, yeah, you know, he was 15, playing twenty minutes a game. He was playing spot minutes, but, but they were using was, him in certain packages. Yeah, to yeah. I mean, he it, it made it difficult. Uh, it made it difficult for Al Horford and Robert Williams to stay off the perimeter. They they were getting caught out there quite a bit. Yeah, and then I think with Golden State. And their experience, at least the the main core guys that have been around really for for all eight years of this run, uh, Steph, Draymond, and Clay, and and Steve Kerr really 
the the nucleus. Um, I think that experience really helped them, especially in games four, five, and six, and six especially to where they had went on a really big run after being down to start early, but they really left the door open for Boston in the second half. Boston was able to cut it to like nine points early in the fourth quarter, and, and Boston thought they maybe had a chance to get over the hill and make a comeback, but I think that's where the experience really definitely they, they, their sense of urgency and yeah. their understanding of the moment. It's like we gotta if you've ever played defense in your life, play it right fucking now. You know, right. just like that they they had a different level of of concentration and and guys like Igadala helped that out too with you know Hugh obviously it seems like from the outside looking in that he was a great veteran for Andrew Wiggins. Right. He might not have been on the court, but he was definitely in guys' yeah. ears on the yeah. bench and really uh, just Guys Staying like Jordan, guys. Jordan Poole, Looney, Gary Payton Jr. or Gary Payton II, all the uh, you know all those players reap the benefit of having that such a veteran loaded um, team. Yeah, and now with with the Celtics, I think the the biggest headline for for them, and I, I want to talk about them real quick before we we talk about the the Warriors and the legacy and and all of that type of stuff. But for Boston, obviously the biggest headline is Jason Tatum disappeared in this finals. He obviously was their leader all year. Um, but looking at his stats, I mean, he was like a 27 point per game, uh, score during the regular season. And he was down to like 22 in the finals. He think, I, I think he was like an 8%, uh, drop in shooting percentage from the field. So, I mean, Wiggins and Clay Thompson, like I said, uh, played some incredible defense on the wings for Boston. But what what do you think was wrong with Jason Tatum in the finals? Do you think it was just exhaustion and he ran out of gas and they, Boston had been through so much they that's, just couldn't get to the finish line? Or? That's tough. You know, physically, he's a young professional. He's 24 years right, old. You right. know, I don't think I don't think that that's I don't think that that's how that went down. Uh, maybe maybe some mental exhaustion, maybe some anxiety, maybe some. It, it to me it, it's you want something so bad sometimes you know you may be in your your own way and and he's gonna be all right he's a great player and it's and it's gonna be really hard on him to walk away from this series yeah. you know because he, ultimately he's gonna feel like it's on him he was the star they 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 won two games they were up two one you they know? won game um, one on the road. They 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 had it they had him right there and so you know his grind no doubt about it his grind's gonna take a a, a step up yeah and um, I think and, I, and you know the next time I think you'll be ready but I think a lot of it was probably just the moment um, he's been in a lot of big moments but this is you're on the you're knocking on the door of of greatness no game six of the NBA finals was the biggest game he's ever played in his life yep so and 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 every single game before that had been the biggest game of his life so right maybe maybe some mental exhaustion you know maybe some wanting it too bad almost not not wanting it too much because that's not necessarily what I'm trying to say but like you know if you're in your head maybe you're not thinking the same way you did in the second round of the playoffs because you're thinking about it so much. This is the finals. This is the finals that you're not kind of playing. You're, you're, you're thinking too much. Well, and I think also it goes to kind of that experience talk we were, we were talking about a second ago where the Warriors had so much experience and they understood what it meant to win a game six in the NBA finals on the road 
no matter if it was a clinching game or not, just the fact that it was a game six on the road in the NBA finals and them having been there done that, they know what that means. And then the fact that Jason Tatum and the, and the Celtics, yes, they've been to four out of the last six Eastern Conference finals, but the NBA finals is uncharted territory for these guys and, and really not knowing what yeah. to do in that situation, I think definitely played a factor. Yeah, yeah, and the, even their veterans, you know, hadn't been there. So right. it just uh, – uh, their coach, you know, he has he's got a little experience, but that's about it. Yeah, and it's really not even experience when, I mean, it is experience as a coach, but being an assistant and being a head yeah. coach in those situations, well, and a is, player, he, you know, uh, with the Spurs. I don't know if he ever even went to a finals with the Spurs. Well, if you played for the Spurs in the early two thousands, there's probably a good chance he went to one. Yeah, that's probably true. I, I would assume he's been to one. Honestly, I would assume he's got a ring. But I don't. I don't have time to look it up on the fly. Yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> they didn't have much finals experience. No, I think that that definitely. When playing a team like the the Warriors, who have the most finals experience. Yeah. Now speaking of the Warriors and, and finals experience, this is their fourth NBA championship in the last eight years. I think it's safe to officially call them a dynasty. I know, obviously, there's been kind of three iterations of this Warriors dynasty in in one kind of setting with it being the pre-Kevin Durant championship, the two with Kevin Durant, and then now the one post-Kevin Durant where everybody had counted out the Warriors. They're the first team in NBA history to go from having the worst record in the NBA to winning an NBA championship in a three-year span, they they were, I believe, fifteen. Yeah, I mean, in, two years. You know, they went yeah. from they went from losing in the finals to being the worst team in the NBA to last season losing in the playing scenario to winning the chip. Yeah, yeah. I'd also, I think it's it's when talking about this legacy, it's important to note that it's to be continued. Right. Um. So you know, it, it really is pretty special run. I think that. Really, only the Kobe, Phil, Duncan, Popovich run is comparable. I mean, LeBron's is different because it was chopped up and with different franchises. That's he may have been his own dynasty, but that's not a franchise. Thing. Right, right. And the Heat, the Heatles, was not a dynasty. Um, no. So, I mean, really, this has got to be one of the three dynasties of my lifetime. Obviously, I was around right at the beginning or right at the end of the you know, the Jordan dynasty. So I saw that back three P, but really it's Duncan and pop, you know, Phil and Kobe and Kerr and them, them boys. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I think it's, it's been interesting because when we, when it's, the, when the championship was over and the warriors had won and we were kind of texting about the yeah. legacy talk and yeah. you said you wanted to talk about, Steph Curry and Tim Duncan and, and all of that. You, you had brought it up. You were the first person I saw bring it up. And then I saw a bunch of people talking about it on Twitter and how it's interesting to compare the eras because everyone talks about how it was either Kobe's era or Tim Duncan's era because they both won five championships during their time. And they realistically stopped each other from winning multiple other championships. And then Steph Curry and LeBron kind of were here at the same time obviously LeBron came first and Steph Curry kind of caught up to him and is still going and somehow LeBron is still going but now people are kind of saying it's like oh 
it's LeBron's era, but Steph Curry is also now here. They both got four rings. Mm-hmm. They both stopped each other from winning uh, multiple other rings. So it's it's kind of very interesting to see the, yeah, the similarities. Yeah. No, I very much think Curry is to LeBron what Duncan was to Kobe. Um, I don't think that there's an argument that it was Kobe or, or LeBron's era. I think that's pretty safe to say. I think that's what the history books will say. And in retrospect, when you look back at it, I think that's what it'll be. But, um, you know, those that Spurs and Warriors franchises are dynasties in their own. For sure. And Duncan and, and Curry are pillars of, of NBA, you know, influence. Right. And I know those are two probably the top 10 players ever. Well, one of the most consistent storylines. And to be, and to do it during another player's era is almost more impressive. Right. I mean, who, Jordan's era was when the guys in the, the 80s era guys left. And then all of a sudden Jordan is mopping. You know, I don't think Jordan really had a Curry or a Duncan. No, he didn't because he I was mean, beating when he, all when, those guys. When he was younger, he had the guys in the 80s and, and you know, Detroit, Boston, LA, but that wasn't, he wasn't there yet. You know, like he really didn't become the the best, the top guy till 88, 89, you know, the end of that. Right. And then going into the nineties was his era. Right. And then, I mean, so, I mean, those, those guys are just, uh, uh, it's incredible what, what they've done. Yeah. And no, but like, like I was trying to say before with, one of the most consistent storylines since the Warriors really have been in the finals and since 2015 was Steph Curry has been without this NBA Finals MVP. Yeah. And we had talked about, and many people had talked about during these NBA Finals, was if he gets that NBA Finals MVP this year, which he did, what does that do for his legacy? Do you think any differently of him? No. No Yeah, it was just, God, that's that's the kind of shit that like kind of ruins sports talks. Like, did, do we? Does anybody think differently of Curry now that he got this trophy? You know what I mean? It's like, come on. I mean, he, okay. The only really the next question is now it's then, like we could just put it to bed finally. But is is he a top ten player? Is he that's, top? I now I've been I've been you See, know me you know you know I like my lists I know it's tough uh, it's, it's it's tough that's where it's I'm tough at. it's tough but I tell you who I do got him ahead of now that I did not have him ahead of who Kevin Durant okay I think I think that he's shown that like yeah Kevin Durant is certified like I I I it, his skill level is incredible. One of the greatest players I've ever seen, had my eyeballs on. Well, and it's crazy because and definitely and definitely one of the top ten players in my lifetime. Like not even close. It's crazy because I know he only has two, but KD's also kind of in that LeBron Steph Curry era debate of whose era is it? No, and it's and it's he might. I mean, it's got to be frustrating to to be in that that spot because. Curry's getting the wins, and LeBron is, like, the number one guy. You know what I mean? It's LeBron's league. He's, like, the the featured star. Right. For the most part, the unanimous number one player. Obviously, there's the people that aren't going to, like, they want to put him at two or whatever. But, right. What, you know, arguably the best player on the planet for, for this entire run. Uh, and then Steph 
got he gets to be mentioned because he went and got the rings. He's got the hardware, and to, he's the greatest shooter of all time. And, and that's it, yeah, undisputed. No, undisputed for sure. Um, but probably number two point guard of but all just, time. But why this Warriors championship hits so different is those guys proved that it's us. We oh. are, we are a machine. You were just the guy between Barnes and Wiggins. You know what I mean? Like we're gonna, we're that's gonna, crazy. We're, we're gonna win titles. The only time they they weren't in the mix was due to injury. L- literally, the only two years that they, they did not make the finals out of this eight year run were the two years that Clay Thompson did not play basketball. And they had a, and they've got the most wins of all time in a single season. Yeah, seventy three and nine. They didn't even win the title that year. Um, so this. For these guys to accomplish this, to come back from injury, I mean, it's very one of the most impressive, and and I'm glad that I, it's one of the most impressive championships I've ever seen, and I'm glad that, um, you know, you're never. I don't think you can use the opponent um, excuse for this one. Like, no, Boston, Boston was healthy, and, and Boston went through a gauntlet. You know what I mean? They beat a good, healthy, yes, contender. Coming back off of a, the worst team in the league, you know, dark days, Clay out 941 days, you know, the the just a pretty crazy story. Yeah, no, it's... and and that's why I think that Steph gets the nod over KD at this point, just his commitment to greatness on a team level, and and to just keep doing it um, is is pretty is pretty crazy. Right, and I I think it's. But ultimately, I don't know. I don't. I don't <laughs> Go, think so. I think it'd be tough to put him in the top ten. Going exactly. He's going, right there. Going back to the if he's in the top ten, I think I would have to like if we're really sitting down and doing it. I really think I'd probably put him at eleven. Yeah, that's the eleven, twelve. That that ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen group of guys is. I, I is, wouldn't even go as far down as thirteen. But, yeah, well, just depending on, you know, I'm sure they're the same type of guys. But it's it's crazy because I it's so tough. No, it is. And and KD's is to be continued. And know? so is and, Steph's. But so is Steph. So it's like, as of right now, and I, I truly think that this is probably the first time in my life that I would say this, you know, say that Steph's officially, his career is officially surpassed Durant's. But, man, you cannot argue with the results. No. And, and and one of my favorite, and this is the same with LeBron, which is too bad, but one of my favorite finals experiences of watching Steph Curry was against the Raptors when he lost. Just because, because he was putting just, up numbers then, too. And just the effort and what how much he had to control both sides of the the uh both sides of the ball was crazy. Well, and, we and saw that similar, in this finals. And I thought it was similar to to LeBron when he lost um in in twenty six. 17 i believe when he threw up you know you oh yeah when had, people like, were saying he should have been the finals mvp when they when they even though they lost yeah and, and Kyrie went down kevin love was out yeah um but yeah no special special performance from steph but he's right there and and i think where i've officially you know because we talk about the point guard thing where i think i officially land is he's the greatest guard like the like a point guard as far as like not the big body not not magic and and lebron but small guards he's the greatest small guard of all time not talking two guards not talking you right know, like bigger, you say like he the, surpassed not, not the point forward, not the point forwards 
Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, going all the way back, it's it's the Jerry West, Bob Cousy, the Isaiah, the Isaiah Thomas, Allen Iverson, John Stockton, Chris Paul. Yeah, CP3. He, he is like – and guard is like the, the position in basketball. I mean, guard is the thing that every kid wants to be, and I think he is truly – the greatest ever it's i really think this was his best nba finals performance S aside from game four obviously that was I, I don't think we'll ever see a performance from him like that ever again just because it was so poor i mean i've never seen him miss nine threes in a game like that and yeah. i think similar to what you were saying to what he had to do in 2019 the way he had to carry this warriors team in the finals and really not just the finals, but really all year. I know he got hurt for, for some of it and they were able to stay afloat and all of that. But this Warriors team was consistently at the top of the Western conference standings this entire season. Um, no, they, no, they were a problem. I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching the whole year and I was excited for it. I was excited to see, I mean, we spoke about it like when this, you know, they beat up everybody for years. So when they were down the league, didn't take it easy on them. No, it's like it's like the Lakers. When the Lakers when are down, nobody takes them e easy on them. When they were down, they got they were down big, and uh, uh, it was it was exciting to just know that they're going to come back eventually. They're going to have a shot at at some revenge, and they'll be a little older and a little more banged up. But we know we every basketball fan in the world knows what those those dudes can do. Yeah, and, and it's fucking dangerous. And listen, I'm just so happy that. And they got a young core. They're moving forward with a good, like, four or five guys that are young that are going to be players in this league. Yeah, Moody, Kaminga, Wiseman. Uh, Wiggins and Poole. Wiggins who, and Poole. Who they both got for one more year. Yeah. You know, so. I think they could possibly get extended this offseason. Which is even, I mean, even better. We saw <laughs> them in, the, in, in so. the locker room celebration saying we about to get paid and stuff. Yeah, see, that's dope. Uh, oh, I mean, we got to fight? Hell yeah. There's been a couple. There's been a couple little dust ups here. Um, but yeah, no, great, great, uh, great, great story in in the NBA history. You know, especially in my lifetime, one of the craziest stories for a team in a season ever. Yeah. Now, re real quick, one one last thing. What is in terms of legacy talk? What what does this mean for for Steve Kerr? I mean, this oh is... man, he's he's uh he's alongside with with the big three they've done enough already so this is like he's the first coach or he's the first person to ever win four as a player and coach he's part of three dynasties yeah i mean we spoke yeah he's part of the bulls dynasty the spurs dynasty and now the warriors dynasty and steve kerr's like that's when you know that first three that second three people with the bulls i was like where I fell in love with basketball. You know, Steve Kerr has been a part of basketball my entire life from the jump. A prominent part, you know? He was I remember my dad I remember my dad being so stoked that he went to the Spurs. Tyler, he was a player, then he was an announcer, then he was an uh, uh executive for the Suns, then he was then he went to the Warriors. No, he's he's or excelled. I, I think it might have been announced a uh, executive for the Suns and then announcer and then yeah. the Warriors, but either way, he's done everything. No, he's uh he's been great and he changed the game of of basketball and coaching for the better, I think. 
he's kind of the originator of the green light, man. Let it go. Give give your guy give your guy the ultimate green light. Well, what's crazy is, is he was the executive in Phoenix when the seven seconds or less Suns were going. Yeah, but I think that uh but I think that Steph Curry, you know, a big part of what took him to an MVP level from just a scoring guard was was Steve Kerr. Well, and it's everybody and Steve likes Kerr to... is such a Zen master type of guy as well. I think he manages personalities really well, and that's like what Phil Jackson was great at. Same thing I, with Greg Popovich. I, I think Greg Popovich was great at it too. These these kind of they're not necessarily X's and O's guys. They're not teaching you, but you know they're managing superstars, and they've and they've been there before. So there's cred when they when they talk, right? And being a former, understand when you can say, "Hey, Michael Jordan used to do this." It's like, oh fuck, you know, like, yeah. What am I supposed to say to this guy? You I know, mean, like. But you know, like, oh, you're just you, you can't like insult Steve Kerr basketball wise. He's taking a two piece from Michael Jordan, like in in practice, like yeah, no, no. Steve it, Kerr certified in every aspect of basketball, and I mean, and he's humble. He's a humble guy, you know what I mean. He, and so that that takes you a long way, as well. But as far as legacy, I mean, he's got to be a top ten coach ever, um, and then. The top five, it's it's got to be pretty murky. I mean, I don't have it laid out, but Bill yeah. Jackson, Greg Popovich, Red Auerbach, Pat Riley. Yeah, I mean, Shit. I guess I Steve mean, Kerr maybe. Steve Kerr, yeah, I, I maybe guess. maybe a Steve Kerr is probably knocking on the door at five or you know five or six. Yeah, I mean maybe a uh, I mean, George fact, Carl. I mean the fact that one's not nah, hell no, nah. what zero rings. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I mean, the fact that we can't think of one yeah. says it all. I mean, you probably, it probably is safe to, you know what? Fuck it. He's in the top five. No doubt about it. <laughs> well, and I also think four, four, four as a coach, five as a player. Yeah. He's chasing Phil. Well, and Phil's Bill got Ruff. 11 as a coach. Well, Two I'm, just, as a I'm player. just talking ring count here. He's chasing Phil and Bill and red. Reds is tough though. Like his, he got so many of those as an executive. Right. I think he's got nine as a coach. Like, yeah, his coaching would be, ex but there's also like a couple guys that Bill Bill Russell played with. They got a bunch, but yeah, um, really, really, what he who he's chasing is Phil Jackson. Yeah, I think I think, I think Steve Kerr also gets a lot of flack because everyone's just like, oh, Mark he, Jackson, right? Adam, he inherited right, Mark they, Jackson's team. No, but, but that's why I think when I tell when I tell the the next generation. <laughs> about steve kerr i'm gonna say he's the guy that went to curry from this level to that no exactly i think it says a lot about steve kerr and his ability as a coach to be able to elevate a team from where they were with mark jackson because we could see the flashes of it back then they started they started harrison barnes right and then they got iguodala started iguodala kerr comes in start and gets Harrison Barnes back in the starting lineup. I was a huge Harrison Barnes guy, so I remember this very well. But Harrison Barnes goes from rookie starter, coming off the bench with Iguodala there, not having a great year. Steve Kerr then, um, you know, comes in, and and Barnes is in the starting lineup, and the death lineup is born. Yeah, the death lineup, another another thing that you know he didn't necessarily invent, but he made it good. No, and they really, I think, evolutionized the small ball yeah. era. Yeah. And so, I mean, listen, the Warriors are without a doubt a dynasty. It's been crazy to watch the ride that they've they've been on over the last eight years um, because 
I mean, like like we've just continued to say, they've been through so much. Yeah, no, they, they've uh, they're they're a resilient crew. I never count them out. Yeah. All right. Last thing uh, on the Warriors, uh, just kind of an aside that kind of starts to to snowball into all the offseason stuff we wanted to to get to before we get out of here. Uh, Kenny Atkinson, an assistant coach for the Warriors, former head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, uh, he turned down the Charlotte Hornets' offer to become their next ho- next head coach in favor of staying with the Golden State Warriors to become Steve Kerr's lead assistant since Mike Brown will be moving on now to become the head coach of the Sacramento Kings. Uh, according to Woj, Atkinson accepted the job with Charlotte verbally, agreed to a four-year contract, but never officially signed any uh, physical paperwork on a contract. So until the, until the ink is dry, nothing is pretty, official. Pretty tough to do to a franchise, but, especially because now it's like, oh, well, I'm not your first choice. You in know? the middle of the final, he accepted it in the middle of the final. So I think, um, and I heard Steve Kerr talking at the, yeah, the no, parade if, today. If the world didn't know, it wouldn't be a big deal. Right. Now I just feel like Charlotte's coaching you know, search there's, it's like now, now everyone knows I'm your second option. Well, it's very, it's very kind of similar to Tyron Lou and, and Frank Vogel and how that whole thing went down. I mean, Tyron Lou had a Lakers birthday cake at his birthday party. And then two days later, Frank Vogel is being introduced as the head coach. So <laughs> that was quite the, quite the off season. But anyway, back to Kenny Atkinson, um, basically, um, from what I heard, um, from Steve Kerr at the the parade today, because the Warriors did have their parade today up in San Francisco. Um, I think it was the whole idea of accepting a job in the finals, and then now that the finals are over, and now he's kind of had some time to decompress and kind of reevaluate and really yeah, hear things I, out. Why leave? Why would I go to Charlotte? Yeah, but I also my now I'm putting my conspiracy theory hat on. I think Kenny Atkinson may have been told. He could possibly become the coach in waiting in Golden yeah, State. Yeah, no, because I think, I think that's the the obvious conspiracy theory. Yeah, Steve to. Kerr could maybe possibly be moving into the front office and, and no longer be coaching, kind of retire from coaching, and then become an executive again. I think that that's extremely possible. And like and you makes, said, and and I'm I'm bailing on Charlotte if that's the case for like, sure. You know, so like, I get where Atkinson's coming from, but. Tough spot for Charlotte. I really hope that uh, I would love to see them go with D'Antoni. That's that's apparently all reports are indicating that that's who they're just, turning just their sights on. Because I'd love to see Lamelo throw up some stats. This is not the era. This is not the time in his career when he's a contender. So let's get him some stats. Let's get him to the right team, and then we'll worry about it. D'Antoni's not, you know, put up put up some numbers in Charlotte for MJ Lamelo, and then uh, come back on home to the Lakers. D'Antoni's gonna put up numbers with Lamelo. Yeah, I mean, imagine Lamelo getting the ball off of a make, you know, and turn the corner. It's gonna be, it's gonna be good. Well, it'll be interesting to see what that Charlotte team looks like next year because uh, they mean they could be in a, a deal for Russell Westbrook uh, potentially. Be, so it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a death lineup team. Yeah, you're gonna be having six eight centers out there. We'll see. Well, speaking of a six eight six nine uh, type center, uh, Christian Wood was traded to the Houston Rockets. I think Christian Wood's Rockets. bigger than that. Sorry. Not to the Houston Rockets. He's traded from the Houston Rockets. Yeah. Dallas. To Dallas. I'm looking up how tall he is. He's 6'9". They're all 6'9", I guess. 
that prototypical NBA body right now. No, it's all yeah. Everyone's gonna be the same here soon. It'll just be skill sets. Yeah, which is dope. But anyway, Christian Wood going from Houston to Dallas, so not really all that far. Staying in Texas for the 26th overall pick in the NBA draft coming up on Thursday night. And Boban Marjanovic, Trey Burke, Marquise Chris, and Sterling Brown uh, to make all the money work and and all of that. Um, I think this is a complete steal for Dallas, getting a player like Christian Wood. Um, I think if he can have the chemistry with Luka like everyone is expecting them to have, I think that is the perfect fit for Dallas and is exactly what they've been looking for. I think they kind of tried it with Kristaps Porzingis, and it obviously just didn't work. And I I think Christian Wood is a a much better fit, um, especially if he can continue to progress like he has been. He's he's a good piece for them. Uh, He's been a productive player on bad teams. Houston's, you know, thrown – you know, they're completely rebuilding around the couple of young guys they got. So it's good to get rid of that, con- you know, that contract. Yeah, he's in the um, last year of his deal. So and and Dallas needs pieces. Yeah. And I mean, listen, I haven't heard one person say this is a bad move for Dallas. No, it's a, it's a good move for Dallas. They don't need the pick. They need pieces around Luca right now. And I think that it helps him in the I think it really helps him in the Bradley Beal sweepstakes. Um, just being that, you know, they're still Christian Wood doesn't do it for for him. Like, yeah, he's a good piece because he brings a different skill set than all the other bigs. They have stretch fives, you know, the Cleveland's and uh, um, Dwight Powell, Bertrands and Dwight Powell. Yeah, so he brings a you know a, a rim protecting, defensive rebounding, you know, roller off the pick and roll type of skill set for them. They're going to be good. Yeah, and then for the Rockets, like you said, they're rebuilding. They now have three first round picks: number three, seventeen, and twenty six. Yep. They could package that in a trade for somebody. They obviously can use that to develop their their youth and with the G League and and everything how everything's set up now. I, I there's a lot more value in late first round picks and second round picks to me than there used to be. Yeah, uh, you just never know. It's not necessarily great odds, but you just never know. People find talent at those picks all the time now. Look at how well the Lakers have done with those types yeah. of picks. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next, I mean Draymond. You know, he was probably right around 26 or second-round pick. Draymond was a second-round pick. Yeah, I think he was 46. Nikola Jokic, the back-to-back MVP, second-round pick. So, yeah. those are good picks for Houston to just take some stabs at some players. Yeah. Now, all right, uh, moving on. You mentioned Bradley Beal, so we'll, we'll start with Bradley Beal. Uh, he has reportedly made up his mind on what he will do regarding his $34 million player option. He could sign a five-year extension with the Wizards worth almost $250 million this offseason, but he also could test free agency if he decides to decline that uh, player option. He could decline it and sign that five-year extension or just sign it outright um, with with the team. But obviously he can't legally say what he will do um, until his contract is officially expired and July 1st. Uh, passes and he can uh, pick up that player option and all of that. Uh, But like every big name, the Lakers are obviously always attached. Um, The Lakers and Wizards, they obviously just made a trade last offseason for Russell Westbrook. Um, I don't think the Lakers have enough to trade for Bradley Beal, Um, but obviously things can be done to manipulate a lot of uh, stuff. 
uh, in terms of salary caps and trades in, in sports as we've seen over the years. Yep. Um, but I, I, I think it's it's pretty much a pipe dream to to see Bradley Beal in a Lakers uniform next year. No, I really think that um, Dallas is the front runner as far as where, Miami. Where Yeah, I just they got a lot of ball handlers. You know, they've got a log jam at that position, you know, with Hero. Boston. And, I hate to say it. But, I mean, again. You they know, got a lot of draft picks. They got a lot of guards, too, though. You know, I just think, like, a lot of these good teams um, that have, like, you know, some holes, they have guards. So, he's, you know, maybe Denver. But it's like, is he going to go play in Denver? That seems crazy. You know, I, I think I think it's, it's D.C., Dallas, Los Angeles Lakers. Does Portland try and make a move for him and team him up with Dame? No, because I just don't think that what well, you know we've spoke about the similarities between Dame and CJ or CJ. I mean, yeah, we we CJ said they should have done that trade four years ago. CJ and Bradley Beal are very similar. It just doesn't fit. You know, you need to put him around someone that needs it. I mean, LeBron needs you know a guy on the outside that can break down a defender and get a shot, and Luca needs a, a number two guy. Yeah, both those teams would just instantly be be ready to pop. I guess you could stretch stretch saying the Knicks just because it's the Knicks um pairing with Julius Randle RJ Barrett but Brooklyn could maybe be in the mix now with uh the Kyrie Irving stuff which we can talk yeah, about yeah see I, I I like uh I like Bradley Beal DC Dallas the most and then LA the Lakers I do feel like are, are in the mix I think DC definitely has a chance to to keep Bradley Beal I think Bradley Beal could be like a Damian Lillard type guy. If I was the Wizards, though, after John Wall, they, you know, they gave John Wall the first Supermax ever. Yes. Uh, you know, it'd be tough to give two Supermaxes away to, you know, ball handling guards in a row. And really not have anything to show for it. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. But all right. Uh, Kyrie Irving uh, and the Nets are reportedly, quote, at an impasse uh, in their negotiations, according to Sham Strania of The Athletic. Uh, Kyrie Irving has a player option he has to pick up by the 29th of this month. Uh, Sham said that the Lakers, Clippers, and Knicks could be interested in Kyrie Irving, but uh, for the Lakers and Clippers, uh, most likely uh, the path to getting Kyrie Irving would involve him having to pick up his player option, and then the Lakers or Clippers would have to make a trade with the Nets for Kyrie Irving because the Nets would obviously want something in return. Uh, and would like to be compensated for Kyrie Irving. Uh, Kyrie also has a 15% uh, trade kicker that if he gets traded, his salary for next season would then increase by 15%, which would put him over $40 million uh, for next season. Um, he could waive that trade percent, uh, that trade kicker like AD did uh, when he was traded to the Lakers, when the Lakers were trying to make room for Kawhi Leonard that same summer. Um, and then obviously Kawhi chose the Clippers. Um, but I just, for me, uh, obviously with the Lakers, like I said, for Bradley Beal, big name, they're going to be linked. The connection with LeBron and the history there, there's a link. Um, but for me, I don't think it's worth the hassle of trying to jump through all of these hoops that would need to happen to try and trade for Kyrie Irving I, I, can't. I think Bradley Beal's much more realistic than Kyrie. Yeah. I I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. It's you, tough. You can, I mean, you can I never predict these things. I think they're both far-fetched. Yeah, they, they are. I just, yeah, Kyrie, that seems, 
I really don't know, though. I don't know what, you know. I just, an impasse could mean they're close to signing a deal, you know, for all we know. Yeah, I mean, it could just be a complete misdirection, but yeah. I it just, just. It seems weird that they wouldn't want to give it one more honest go. I think this seems like it's coming from Kyrie Irving's camp that they're at this point in negotiations to where they don't think really anything can be done. Oh, or they're really at just like a, a stall in yeah, the negotiations. Yeah, this is going to be the last run. Right. And, and then we're going to see what happens. And Kyrie said er, earlier this offseason that he doesn't want to play with anybody else besides Kevin Durant right now. Um, but I think if you're looking at this from a Lakers perspective, I just I can't look at Kyrie Irving as anything other than a part-time player right now. We don't know where his head is at. We don't know when he will show up to work, if he will show up to work, what will what will constitute him not showing up to work. Well, and God forbid injuries too. That you, as well. You really just don't, you know, you don't know. It's been a it's been a uh it doesn't look good on his resume where he's been and how it's gone down. Right. And I just um, I don't think it's since, worth the risk. Ever since the twenty sixteen NBA finals, you know? Yeah. It seems like it's been pretty rough. So I wouldn't necessarily want him uh, on the on the Lakers, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I don't think it will either. I think I think Kyrie plays one more year with KD in Brooklyn, and they'll see how it goes. And they'll be they'll if they're healthy, they'll be a title contender. Um, and you know, a championship can change anything. Yeah, and winning cures all. And and also, there's we have a calendar year of things that could happen that could change his mind. Yeah. So truly, I think it's unpredictable past the 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 next season. Yeah, and listen, I mean, it'll all be a lot more clear. And I don't think he's going to be on the move this off season via you know trade or whatever. Well, that that'll definitely be a lot more clear as of uh, June 29th. Yep. Uh, all right. Last thing, Tyler, before we get out of here, uh, we had to talk about it. Uh, we were talking about it in the group chat uh, with the fantasy football guys when it happened. Uh, but Anthony Davis's comments about not picking up a basketball, uh, he was on the Nuke Squad YouTube channel, which he announced he officially was joining Nuke Squad the other day, and I'm I'm assuming Nuke Squad is FaZe Clan's biggest uh, rival. Is that right? Or No, F F Nuke is part of FaZe. Oh, okay. Yeah, F Nuke is a person. He's got, like, his own team. It would be similar got to, it. like, Young Money. I think you know, like and, <laughs> like and cash, cash money, money and yeah. then young. Okay, all right. So let, let so Phase Clan is cash money, and then Nuke Squad is young money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, let's see. Okay, see, I thought Nuke Squad was Phase Clan's competition. Yeah. Yep. All right. I no, thought... no, it's a person. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Phase Nuke is a person, and then he's like got his team, and and I think that they bring a specific like play style too. There's something to those guys. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I don't follow. I I do follow Phase Clan, but I don't follow Phase Nuke particularly. Right. Um. I just thought in the whole like video game and streaming world, I thought that they nah, were separate. Nah. And like you know how Brawny's Phase nah. Clan, and I thought AD was yeah. now Nuke nah, Squad. Brawny's a uh, level up. <laughs> like Brawny is. <laughs> He's their guy. Him and Kyler are probably their number ones. Yeah. They got the phase they got the phase chain. Anthony Davis got the nuke chain. Okay. Well But but the young money cash money is like the right comparison. Okay. Because it's like 
a branch. Phase Nuke is Phase Clan, you know. Right. But then his his like little team that he's building is the Nuke. It's squad. like aftermath and then Shady. Yeah, it's it's all that. It, you know, he's but it's cool. I mean, those guys are awesome. They changed the fucking game. <laughs> all right. Well, so Anthony Davis was on the Nuke Squad YouTube channel, and he admitted to not picking up a basketball since April fifth. Uh, that was the last regular season game that Anthony Davis played in for the Lakers this regular season against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, he has since uh, posted a picture with Lethal Shooter, so he has since picked up a basketball since these comments have been made, obviously because these comments made such waves in the sports media world. Uh, they got a lot of people talking. J.J. Redick, uh, who has been doing a absolutely phenomenal phenomenal job when he has been uh on espn and any of the national shows that he he's been on he obviously does a great job with the old man and the three podcasts it's one of the best nba podcasts out there but he he's done a phenomenal job transitioning from being a player to uh being a media personality for the nba and i think he's really trying to help change the the dialogue and, and the narrative around basketball media well, i think he's trying to bring some you know accountability to for it. sure 100 percent. that's and, i know, think that's, that's the perfect way to describe that, it that's that's just yeah i would not you better be ready to roll if you bring him on the show yeah every clip i see of him and yeah. Stephen a going nah, at yeah, it he puts Stephen a Steve, in check Stephen a has been getting put in a blender lately by players <laughs> it's been awesome but it's it's fucking it's right i mean they there's there's levels to this shit. Not every media guy is getting bashed by players. There's people out there that have respected opinions. Yes, it's the talking heads, the people that like. It's like they're it's like they're selling a fight. It's like they're fighters. You know, they all got to find a personality and then just talk out their ass. Right. They're not saying real things. I mean, half the shit Skip Bayless says, there's no way he believes. Right. But so JJ Redick basically came out and defended Anthony Davis and said not picking up a basketball for a couple months or six weeks after the the regular season is over. That's that's pretty much a common thing for a lot of NBA guys. And I mean, JJ's not on the level of Anthony Davis is, but Anthony Davis also isn't the level of shooter JJ Redick was. And so hearing it from a guy with, no, the, JJ, with the credentials that JJ has. JJ's going to speak on something that's shooting. Right. But Honestly, and and I believe JJ Redick, and and I've heard many other players say that they take plenty of time off in, in the offseason, But there are also guys like Kobe Bryant, who the the day after the season's over, he's still working it's out. Just like, yeah. But th there's just something about the comments that Anthony Davis made that irked me, and it's it's Anthony Davis being one of the most scrutinized players in in Lakers history over recent memory. Yeah. It's just you, you can't really just be saying that. No, no. Well, it just is like you you want you want like greatness out of this dude. You want to be seeing the opposite of that shit like this like motherfucker been in the gym every day. Well, and listen, I mean, he has improved in, I mean, he, he, you know, he really has to keep like proving that he's you know, valuable yes. essentially to the Lakers because when you're on the court, they're they're not shit. You know, we need you on the court. We need you playing well. And we're going to win championships. And listen, and when I hear him say, I haven't picked up a basketball since about April 5th or whatever, however he worded it, do I think he hasn't been in the gym working on his body and rehabbing and trying to, to get some, yeah, some no, work? Yeah, he's not in? like no. sit, sitting on the couch. But right. You just want a different. You want to hear a different mindset from your exactly. star, star player, especially with how 
his Lakers tenure has gone. Yeah, and this is, you know, this is Kobe's franchise. There's a certain there's a certain expectation. This is, you know, talking about teams like the the Lakers and the Celtics and the Patriots and and shit like that, the Yankees, that's the kind of brand you're playing for. Well, and listen, I mean, hearing him say that while the NBA Finals are going on and the Boston Celtics are playing in the NBA Finals with a chance to take the lead for most championships I, in NBA history as a fan. I can it, guarantee you Tatum was in the gym. <laughs> I can guarantee you. I'm not even a big Tatum guy, but I guarantee Tatum was in the fucking gym the next day. You know, I really do think that that's the kind of, that's the kind of player Tatum is. It, it wouldn't shock me. And that's the kind of loss he took. Yeah. Is he, is he going to take some time to relax? Of, of course. But I bet you right now he's like, I got to get back. I got to get back there. Yeah. And that's kind of what you want to and, – and I'm just saying – and, like, we don't know. Jason Tatum could not be doing shit. But I'm just saying, the, like, you want that mindset from Anthony Davis as a, as a Laker. No, I mean, Lakers fans, I mean – Because you, you have the opportunity to win in championships. So it's like you want that sense of urgency to be at the max. And, yeah, listen, when Kobe Bryant airballed those airballs in Utah, the second the plane lands, he's on uh, – he gets in a car and goes to a gym in the Palisades and is shooting a 1,000 jumpers that night the second he gets home from from the flight after the game. And yeah. that's, the, that's the level of expectations this franchise has. Yeah, and we're not even asking you to be Kobe Bryant. We're just – No. We're just asking you to – if you're not touching basketball, don't tell the world. <laughs> Fuck, man. You you make it so hard. Like, he makes it so hard. And that's the thing. I've defended. And, and like, injuries are not even, like, a. it's also not a personality trait. Injuries no. are unfortunate. You're a seven-foot athletic freak. Like, injuries are going to happen. But you, you, you've, been, you've been an injured guy. And then it's just, so it's like you're already kind of starting from behind. You got to do everything you can to, like. Help yourself out. Yeah, and listen, I've defended Anthony Davis till my till my last breath, basically. And I mean, we were comparing Anthony Davis and Giannis to each other during that bubble run, and people were saying, like I was saying, Anthony Davis was better than Giannis, and at the time he was. But since then, Giannis has passed him up. Now, is that all Anthony Davis's fault? No, it's partially due to injury, but it's also partially due to the mentality that Anthony Davis has at least portrayed to the outside. Uh, and and the the attitude that Giannis has portrayed, exactly. You know what Giannis is doing. Yes, he's getting better. So, you know? no, it's it's tough because right? I don't want to. I don't want to. It just seems like we're always quick to judge Anthony Davis, and it's not always fair. This is the quickest I've been to judge. But but uh, he just doesn't help himself <laughs> out any. No, he's got to be on the court, man. He he's got an opportunity this year to really tell the world to fuck off like if he can come out and play 70 games like literally i don't i don't even have to predict stats or i don't even have to i don't even need any certain stats from him i just know that if you play in 70 games the lakers are going to win 50 of them that that'd be ideal that's what's going to happen i mean that's that's the kind of player he is just gotta be on that court so anyway that's that's, I mean, uh, that's I all. went that whole segment without saying street clothes, Davis. Damn one it, time. Tyler. You I had to trying, bring it up. I was trying so hard, but it's just a, it's a Hall of Fame nickname. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, you, you got anything else you want to wrap up uh, with, 
the NBA season to, to put a bow on everything with now that, um, now no, that we've come to no, an end? No, no, no. It was it was a great season. It was uh, no, it wasn't. Well, I mean, it was a, it was it was good to see another season wrap up in the books. Yes, no, I'm I'm being we, bitter. We uh, uh, we I think we covered it. It was great to see the Celtics lose in the in the finals. I was there. You go. That. It was a little, it's a nice little silver lining. People, people actually, honestly, were texting me like, "Oh, how does it feel that the Celtics lost?" And I was just like, "I'm so happy." I, I it's not even that I was so happy. I was just I'm like, "I'm crying sad- for joy." I'm satisfied. Like, okay, great. They 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 lost. Thank God. But the Lakers didn't win, so it's like I can't be too happy. Nah, but it was a good story. Good good year. Yes. But all right. Uh, real quick, I'm gonna shout out uh, Trace Thompson, brother of Clay Thompson. Uh, he got traded back to the Dodgers for the Tigers uh, for cash considerations as the Dodgers need some help in the outfield with Mookie Betts going on the injured list uh, with a broken rib after a collision in the outfield with Cody Bellinger. Uh, but I just wanted to say welcome back to Trace. Uh, hopefully uh, another Thompson can can get a ring this year. Um, this is his second stint with the Dodgers. He played 107 games for the team. Uh, back from uh, 2016 to 2017. So, all right, Tyler, you got a shout out before we get out of here? Yeah, man. Uh, it's uh, it's my nephew's birthday on Thursday. Hey, Riot! Uh, shout out, Riot! Yep, it's turn 11 on Thursday. Uh, draft night again. This has happened a couple times where his birthday is falling on draft day. That's pretty cool. Isaiah Thomas actually has 62311 tattooed on him, which is Riot's birthday. And that was his draft. But day? that was the day he was drafted. Yeah, it's pretty so. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty sick. Yep. So, oh, also, obviously, uh, I got to shout out uh, all the listeners and supporters of the show. Uh, it's been a crazy ride through 250 oh, yeah. episodes. No, definitely a big uh, milestone episode. Yeah, we covered so many memorable sports moments. Uh, you guys have been there every step of the way. So, shout out to all the listeners, Tyler. It's been. I mean, what, this is our fourth NBA season we've covered, about to be our fifth NFL season? Yeah. No, the, we started, I think, the first episode was week two of the NFL season. I think it was week, 20, th- I think it was week three, 2017. There, there been two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Whatever I know, I have that first power ranking somewhere saved away. Yeah. So it must be, it must have been like there was two games played. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Long time. What was that, 2017? Yeah, September 2017. Yeah, damn, that's a long time. It's June 2022. Yeah. Time's been a blur the last <laughs> two and a half years as well. So It really has. It really has. But all right, with that, that wraps up episode 250. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, episode 250 of the TSK Show. For Tyler Pachoki, I'm Eric, the Duke of Sports Scholar. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show. Follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. We appreciate you all so much for listening to us. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Sports Kingdom show. Peace.